Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. God, thank you for a chance to be in your house to celebrate your love, to remind ourselves of how you've come to bring us up, to set us up, and to use us. And Lord, we pray this morning that we would be open to your spirit, open to your leading, speak to us, move in us, change us, Lord, by your love. Thank you for being here. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a powerful psalm, huh? When you think about it, David, you may remember, was not the best father. And as a result of that, he and his his son were at odds and his son overtook the throne and David was on the run. And yet, while he was on the run, he remembered that God was his shield, that God was his fortress, that God would lift him up. And God certainly did. Isn't that amazing? Even when we're not our best, God comes and works in miraculous and powerful ways in our lives, if we would just turn to Him. Uh, this morning, we, we come to a passage of Scripture, and I, I just want to remind you, of, uh, there's those stories that just always come to mind uh, by phrases, right? If I were to say the story of Jonah and the whale, whale right, yeah, and, and, and perhaps uh, I would say uh, the story of Daniel and the, okay, how, how about this one, David and... How about this one? Samson and Delilah. Yeah. Hairbrush? <laughs> okay. Hairbrush. <laughs> Kenny. Who said it? <laughs> Who said it? Zach. <laughs> oh, man. Zach, you're sitting too close to Kenny. <laughs> said Samson and the hairbrush, for those of you who missed that. <clears throat> uh, Samson and Delilah. Right after the story of Samson and Delilah. Um, the story that we probably know best about Samson. Um, Samson, of course, is captured as a result of that. And we come to Judges chapter 16, beginning with verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, Our god has delivered our enemy, into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, O God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the central pillars on on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. 
Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the answers to prayer we heard this morning. You are so good. We pray, Lord, for those whose prayers have yet to be answered. And, and Lord, we just pray that, that you would be speaking to their hearts, restoring their faith, strengthening us. Lord, life sometimes gets overwhelming. Thank you that your love never fails and that we can always trust in you. So this morning, we wait upon you. We, we thank you for your word and for the power that's there and how it has moved in our lives before. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word again. And Father, I pray that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so we come, Lord, uh, waiting upon you. And we pray that we would be open, listening, that we'd respond to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We continue this morning in our study of the book of Judges, and uh, uh, this morning I, I want us to talk about funeral experiences. You know, there, there's something that happens uh, when you go to a funeral, because when you go to a funeral, um, you're confronted with a couple things. Uh, first of all, you're confronted with life, right? Uh, so I want you to think about what is going to be said at your funeral, not at, not at somebody else's, not at somebody else's you've gone to. I want to know, what are they going to say at your funeral? That's, that's the question this morning. Uh, when we all sit around and, and you've gone to the great beyond, uh, what, what are we going to say about you? For some of you, I can't wait. No, I'm kidding. You can't wait to say it or for us to go? You've got to be there. No. <laughs> Uh, there are some things that uh, we'll be able to tell, stories that'll be fun to share. Um, that's what I meant. Yeah, well, sometimes I do. Um, <laughs> watch out, Kenny. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's, there's two things, basically, that, that are covered, right, when you get to your funeral. Uh, one is what, what they do in their past. Um, what, what are the past experiences? What, what are the things as they walked through this life uh, that they did, that you did, and, and how did you respond? And, and of course, we always try to remember the good things, but memories are a mixed bag, aren't they? They're always a mixed bag. So, so you come to that moment, and there are things you remember, and, and you say, I don't want to remember that. I want to remember the good stuff. And that, of course, reminds me of the story, my favorite story of the two brothers, and, and I'm not going to tell that story today, but if you, have, if you want to know it, you can talk to me afterwards. But it has to do with being called a saint. Um, and the problem is, of course, uh, trying to say good things about people who don't live a very good life becomes very difficult. Um, but even those who live a good life have those skeletons, right? And so at that moment, what, what is going to be said at your funeral. The other thing, of course, that we have to talk about is eternity, right? Because you're confronted with eternity. What happens when you die? And uh, even those who are non-believers, uh, when you go to the funeral, they always say, well, they must be in a better place. Um, and, of course, Scripture is very clear that only if you follow Jesus do you find yourself going to a better place, to heaven. Um, that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you don't go to heaven, that you've decided you don't want to be with God. Uh, because if you want to be with God, that's the way you get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So 
So we have to talk about eternity. And, and we have to talk about what does that mean. And everybody is confronted with that. What happens next? Now, some people in our world today say, nothing happens next. Well, that, that's sadder, this most sad thing that I ever experienced at a funeral. And I have yet to go to one where anyone will totally hold that line. Because it's in that moment they hope there's something more. No matter what they've decided outside of that moment. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, according to the Word of God, uh, it's clear that there is something more. And so there's the story, I don't know if you know the story about the guy who wanted to be buried with a fork in his pocket. And the reason he wanted to be buried with a fork in his pocket was because he wanted people to ask the question, why is there a fork in his pocket? So that other people could share with them because he believed in Jesus Christ. And according to the Word of God, there's a wedding banquet that he's headed to. And so he wanted to use that as an opportunity for people to talk about eternity. And when we come to a funeral, those are the two things that we we are confronted with. And in our scripture lesson this morning, we actually have Samson, who I'm going to suggest to you is now a part of his own funeral. Now, that's stretching a little bit, I agree. But but I, I want you to see that in this moment, Samson, who was a judge in Israel. Now, remember, a judge is someone who leads Israel, right? He led Israel for, for 20 years. And, and as he led Israel, um, it, he didn't really lead much. He was one of those loner leaders, you know what I mean, where the leader does all the work and everybody else just comes to church and sits in the pew on Sunday morning. Uh, do you know churches like that? Um, <laughs> There are churches like that where the pastor does all the work, right? And that's kind of the way Samson was, although Samson didn't want anybody's help because he wanted to do it his own way. As a matter of fact, when they come to get Samson and the people come to get Samson, uh, Samson goes out and he starts this whole process and God sets it up so that he becomes a thorn in the side of the Philistines who were the enemy uh, uh, and the oppressors of Israel at the time. He never really sets Israel free from the oppression of the Philistines. He just whoops them every once in a while so they leave the Israelites alone for a little bit. Now, that's some kind of leader, right? It's not necessarily the kind of leader you want, but that's who Samson was. Samson made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. And so when you come to Samson's funeral, those things are played out in big letters. But at the end, Samson turns back to God. And because of that, finds Victory. This morning, the question is, what will be said at your funeral? Well, at Samson's funeral, uh, the first thing that we find out is that he is like the weakest link. Goodbye. Uh, Now, for those of you who are too young, you may not remember that show. This was a British show, and people came on, and and this lady here uh, was not the kindest lady. And if you were not the strongest player in the game, she would look at you and say, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. (laughs) it's like wow that's pretty harsh Um, and yet I'm going to suggest to you that many of us find ourselves saying the same thing to ourselves because we know that we're not the strongest and we know that there are times when we fail and here's Samson here he is in front of all these people he's brought out and they're laughing at him and they're mocking him Ha, ha, ha. Here's Samson. He was so strong. He was so incredible. Look at him now. He's at his weakest moment. There he is. 
And they laugh at him and they mock him. And they, they point out what he used to be and look who he is now. Look at him. Let him perform for us. I want to know what he did when he performed for them. Did he sing? Did he dance? You don't think so, Kenny? What do you think he did, Kenny? You don't like singing or dancing. That doesn't mean he didn't. Oh, I'm sure he didn't feel like it. But when you're a captive, you have to do what the captors say you will do. Isn't that correct? And so here's Samson, who used to be the most powerful, now finding himself in his weakest moment. He, he had made some bad choices, hadn't he? Uh, as a matter of fact, the reason why he's there is because of a lady named Delilah, who happened, by the way, to be a part of the enemy camp. Did you ever notice that? She was a Philistine. She was part of the enemy. And so here he is playing with the enemy. He, he's, he's, he's kind of not just taunting, but he, he's involved in relationships with the enemy which are not only immoral, but are, are wrong on a whole ton of different levels. Here's Samson who should be close to God. He's leading God's people, should be leading God's people. And instead he finds himself failing on a moral level and on a civil level and on a religious level. He failed all the way across the board. When it comes to his funeral, they mock him, they laugh at him. Because of his past failures. They gouged out his eyes for heaven's sakes. So here's the one who was so powerful and so strong. He can't even see. As a matter of fact the scripture says he's led into the, the court by a young boy. And I'm sure they, they laughed. This strong man. Now weak. Why? Because of his moral failures. Because of his civic failures. Because of his religious failures. What are they going to say at his funeral? The sad part is, he thought his strength was in his hair. But the scripture makes it very clear. And as a matter of fact, in this passage in Nehemiah, the people have just heard the word of God and realized that they failed, that they didn't make it, that they don't cut, cut it. And so they're mourning and they're crying out. And Nehemiah says, wait, 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 wait. That's not the purpose of the Word of God. The Word of God, yes, confronts you with your failures, but not to point the finger at you so that you feel like a, a total loss. Rather, to say to you, you were created to be something better. And stop it. Change. Allow the forgiveness of God to come into your life. And then you can do what, what Nehemiah says. He says, do not grieve for the Joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, the problem is we think our strength is in what we do and what we can be. And what we find is when we try to be what God calls us to be, we sometimes fall short. As a matter of fact, we all at some point have fallen short. But the good news is Jesus came to die so that we could be forgiven. And when we're forgiven, then that joy becomes our strength. Not what we do, but what he did. And so it becomes an exciting time even when you start talking about your failures. Have you ever heard those testimonies of people who, uh, who were just the, the down and out and it was horrible and on their last leg and, and, and all of a sudden they came to know Jesus and he turned their lives around. Why do we celebrate those so much? Well, because we are reminded that we fall short and, and even in our falling short, God comes to us and forgives us and turns us around and that brings us joy and that's our strength. You see, in our weakest moments, He is strong 
And if he is strong in our weakest moments, that's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He realized that there were times when he was at his weakest, when he was physically exhausted, when he was emotionally exhausted, when he thought that he had failed totally, that he had let God down all the way across the board. And it's in those moments that God comes. And he forgives us and he gives us strength. But the Apostle Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I wonder what they'll say at your funeral. You know, Jesus showed us how it's done, right? Because when he was in the wilderness, 40 days, no food, no water, struggling, at his weakest point, perhaps, until the cross, until that night before the cross. And here he is struggling. And who comes along? Satan. And Satan starts whispering in his ear. And Satan challenges who, who Jesus knows himself to be, who God created him to be, who God birthed him to be. And Satan comes along and he suggests that maybe Jesus can't do and fulfill the mission God has for him. And Satan comes along and whispers in Jesus' ear, give up, put your trust in me. And Jesus, you remember how Jesus deals with this? He turns to the word of God. When Satan says, here, have some bread. I'll turn these stones into bread. You can do it. If you are who you say you are, you can turn stones into bread. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yes. You see, in those times when we feel our weakest, when we think we fail, when we think there's no way that God could ever use us again, that somehow we have walked away so far that God cannot bring us back, I want you to hear the word of God very clearly, that he has come to save you, to bring you back to him, and to use you in a powerful way. One of the most incredible things is that God will even take those things you've learned as you've walked away and use them for his kingdom. I see that in Samson's life. Samson walked away. Samson was going to do it on his own. Samson thought he had all of life in tow, just the way it was supposed to be. He, he thought he was on top of the world, only to discover that because he had walked far enough away from God, God had allowed him to be captured, and because of his foolishness, he now found himself on the bottom of the heap, but it's in the bottom that he finds the top. Because he's reminded that when you feel like a failure, when you feel like all is lost, when you're ready to give up, that's when God is at his strongest. I'm hoping uh, that when you think about your funeral, um, you might think about some of those things um, that, that you may not want said there. Some of those places where Maybe you blew it, or where your relationships weren't right, or, or perhaps, perhaps where you weren't as faithful to your God as you should have been. And my hope and prayer is that your funeral, when those things come up, what people begin to say is, but they trusted in the Lord. And in that, God began to make that right in their lives. You see, you have a chance to do that right now. 
You see, if we're at your funeral, you won't have a chance to to change what they're going to say. But right now you can. And you can do that by saying to yourself, first of all, I, I have blown it and ask God to forgive you. And then to begin to mend those relationships that are broken. And then to begin to work again, to share the love of God with others and share with them, hey, yeah, I blew it too, but God forgave me, he'll forgive you. Can you imagine the difference then when you get to your funeral? They won't have to worry about, oh, well, let's not talk about that. They'll say, we can talk about all of it because they're forgiven in Christ Jesus. Samson wasn't always just struggling about his his weakest moments, Um, but Samson at his funeral uh, prays a very powerful prayer. Did you catch that? First of all, he says, God, remember me. I love that phrase, remember me. You see, Samson wanted God to remember him, not as he had become, but as he had been born. Now, if you know the story, you know that Samson's parents were told that Samson would be born, that he'd be a powerful force. And that God was going to use him in a mighty way. And when he was born, his mom was told while she was pregnant that she could only eat certain things and not drink wine and all that stuff and try to be pure. And then when he was born, he was not not supposed to cut his hair. He was supposed to be a Nazarite. In, In other words, he was supposed to be set apart for God. That's what he was created to do and to be. And Samson, as he stands there weak and broken, he cries out to God, God, remember me. Remember me as you wanted me to be, as you know me to be, not in who I've become, but who I was created to be. You know what's exciting to me about that? You were created to be uh, someone special. As a matter of fact, when God, the scripture says that when you were in your mother's womb, God was knitting you together. That's kind of an interesting phrase. You ever think about that? He was actually knitting. When you think about someone, who, who knits? Who usually knits? Oh, I know some of you knit. When you think of a person who knitted for you, who is that person? Who? Grandma. Grandma is usually the, the, you know. And and what were they doing while they were knitting? Counting. Counting. (laughs) Kenny's knitted. (laughs) Counting. But usually they're thinking about the one for whom, right? If 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 a, a young lady's pregnant and you're knitting a blanket for that child, what are you thinking about? Just knitting? Or are you actually thinking about that child? God was knitting you together. He was thinking about you. Thinking about all that he was creating you to be and to do. And to become. That's awesome stuff. He was thinking about you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. And because of that, he sees you as very special. And that's who you were meant to be. And Samson cries out to God, not just remember me, but God strengthen me. Strengthen me. One more time. Just this one more time. Give me your strength. Oh, Samson, God had strength for you all the time. If you'd have turned to him earlier, he would have filled you with strength. But this last time, he's going to help you to finish strong. He's going to help you to get across that finish line. He's going to get you there with victory because you've called upon him and he's got strength for you. Do you realize the strength that God has for you? It's a powerful prayer that Samson prays. And it's a prayer in which God offers victory. You know, we have an incredible gift called prayer. And there's a lot of things we can pray, but I'm going to suggest you pray these two things over and over again. 
First of all, I'm going to suggest you pray like the thief on the cross prayed. Lord, remember me. You remember that's what he said. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. You see, when you start asking God to remember you, what happens to you? What do you start thinking about? You remember him and you remember who he created you to be. Special. Important. A part of his kingdom. A mighty warrior. A gift of God to this world to transform this world by the love of the power of the almighty God. You see, that's who you were created to be. That's who he meant you to be. When you were born, he looked at you and he said, you know, that's all right. No, that's not what he said. He looked at you and he said, hey, that's good. No, that's not what he said. Do you remember when he created Adam and Eve? What did he say? That's very good. I like this translation. God looked at Adam and Eve and said, wow, that's awesome. That's the, that's the implication there. That, that this is a special human being whom I can use in powerful ways to change their neighbors and their friends and to show them who they could be and who they are. Remember me. And, and then, uh, and then start, start thinking about the strength that you need. You know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes in the midst of life, I start to get worn out. You ever, you ever feel that way? You, you kind of get, oh man, another day. I, I know you all wake up ready to go. Let's go. Sometimes I wake up and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Another day, man. And, and you know, last year in particular, last year was a tough year. It seemed like every time we turned around, we were facing another trial, another struggle, another funeral. I mean, it was nuts. And oh, how we need the strength of our God. Pray for strength. And pray for strength in this thought that when you run, you will run in such a way to win the prize. Now I know in our world today, if you cross the finish line, you're the winner. But, but I got to tell you something. Uh, something inside of me, man, I don't like just finishing the race. I want to win. I, I remember in junior high school, I ran track. Biggest mistake of my life. Um, and, and I ran the 440, um, which I thought was a long distance race. Um, they don't run the 440 like they're long. So I came to my first race. I thought, man, I'm ready. I'd been running two miles, and yeah, I was the last one back, you know, but hey, I ran two miles. If I ran two miles, I could run the 440. And so the, the gun went off, and I started to run, and everybody else started to sprint. And I'm like, what? So I kick it in second gear, and then third gear, and then fourth gear. But by this time, I'm already two-thirds of the way behind but I ran to win. I lost big time, but I ran to win. I wanted to win. I didn't want to just run the race. How do you live your life? Do you live your life seeking God's strength so that you can win for him, so that you can do something for him, so that his life is is revealed in your life, or do you just simply live your life? The Apostle Paul says, don't you know that all all the runners run, run the race, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And what's the prize? The prize is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're going to run in such a way to win the prize, you've got to make sure you do the work ahead of time, right? If, if you're not doing the work ahead of time when you get to the race, you're not going to win. You have to be prepared for the race. 
You know, it's funny, sometimes people say to me, you know, I read the scriptures every day like we're supposed to, and, and it just doesn't, I don't use it that day. It doesn't, it's not applicable that day. You know what I've discovered? It's just like when I'm running a race. You know, I, run, I ran every day those two miles because I needed to be in physical shape. And yet, I could do that for three weeks, and I, I might learn how to breathe better. I might learn, but, but if I don't keep doing that, at some point, I won't be able to run the race. If I keep doing that, I begin to learn different things, different techniques, and sometimes it's not applicable in the first race, but in the third race, it might be. As a matter of fact, I noticed that when I ran right next to someone, I could push them because they wanted to win too. And sometimes if they were a lesser runner, I could push them to a point where they would tucker out just by pushing once in a while. I wasn't running as hard, but I'd push them once in a while. And they would have to take off. And because of that, they were beginning to expend energy. And towards the end of the race, then I could catch them. You know how I learned that? Because every day I ran with a whole group of guys. And I learned, I, I started watching, and that would happen every once in a while. And I didn't learn that the first time we ran. And, I, uh, and about a third of the way into my track, uh, uh, shall we call it, career, uh, I... I <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't very long. I, I learned that. And, and so the next race, I tried it and I failed miserably. You know why? I picked the wrong runner. The guy was strong and he made me look foolish. But then I began to look and realize, you see, I didn't learn that the first time. I, I learned that and then I learned how to use that and then it came into play. When you read the scriptures, I can't tell you how many times I read a scripture and I think, okay, and I go through the day and it just really doesn't connect. Okay, well, but three weeks later, I'm in the middle of a crisis and all of a sudden God brings that scripture to my mind. How did I have that scripture in my head? Well, not because I have it all there and it just, you know, doesn't work that way. Especially now. The older I get, it's worse, right? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden God brings it back, something that I read two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Now I know why God gave me that scripture. Run in such a way as to win the prize. Pray for strength because praying for strength makes a difference. Uh, it changes us. Pray that God would remember you. Why? Not because God has forgotten who you are, but because it reminds you of who you were created to be. And then go to the end, all the way to the end. Don't stop. Look for that victory. You know, Samson says, Lord, let me have this last victory. And he ran all the way to the end of the race. He kept the faith in the end. Yeah, he blew it all the way along. But in the end, he kept the faith. That's an incredible story. Do you understand what that means? That no matter how many times you've blown it, God still has a place for you. And he's watching you. And he wants you back in the race. And he wants you to finish strong. He wants you to keep the faith. It does make a difference as you trust in him. So lift him up, lift that up in prayer. As you pray, you begin to see that victory. Can you imagine what would happen if you're at your funeral, people started sitting around saying, well, I don't know, I didn't know much about him, but I knew they prayed. I know that they talked to him. I know that they believed in God because they prayed. What does that say to people at your funeral? Do they know you as someone who prays? Do you know the power of prayer? It transforms you. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I used to think that prayer was all about telling God what I needed. I've discovered that prayer is more about God telling me what, 
I can be. And then lastly, um, we've we got to deal with eternity, don't we? When, we stand, when people stand there, they're going to be talking about eternity. Um, and, and in Samson's death, he, he's seeking that victory. And you know what's amazing is that last verse. Did you, did you catch that verse where it says, in death, he killed more than in life. In other words, he was more victorious in death than he was in life. More victorious in death than he was in life. It's amazing me, to me how God uses death to change other people's lives. Do you ever notice that? I'm hoping when I die, there's an altar call. Just in case I die. Dan, where is he? Where'd he go? Oh, who knows? <laughs> He's always disappearing. I'm sure there's a reason. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I hope there's an altar call. Now, sometimes I, I don't frequently do an altar call per, per se. And the reason I don't is because a lot of times people aren't in that, in that point where they can actually make that decision clearly. But afterwards, right afterwards, there's a great opportunity. I hope people know in your death that you are victorious. And victorious not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. And not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. That you believe, and because you believe, the scripture says, you shall inherit eternal life. That when we sit around your casket and begin to talk, we can say, yes, that body is all worn out and done, but God has given them a new body. Why? Because they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? Then for people to be able to say that, and then for the pastor to get up, I love it when I preach at a believer's funeral, and I can say, and what about you? What happens when you die? You see, in that moment, we've got to talk about eternity. What happens in eternity? What happens when you die? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Because he's the only way to heaven, the only way to eternity. And he wants you to be there with him. As a matter of fact, he gave his all to make that happen. And he wants to give you that, that victory hug. That when you go across the line, He's there to catch you in his arms. You see, I, I believe that Samson had that chance. And in that last moment, God gave him incredible victory. Will there be victory in your last moment? What will your last moment be like? What will your last breath be like? Whose name will be on your lips? You see, what, what God has offered, the Apostle Paul shares with us, is an incredible victory. That when we die, if we have faith, we, what, that which is perishable will be clothed with that which is imperishable. That which is mortal, this mortal flesh, will be, re, will be replaced with that which is immortal. And then the saying that is written will become true. Death has been follow, swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? You see, there's something about going to your funeral that I want to be really exciting. I want people to be able to stand there and say, yeah, they were a sinner, but Jesus forgave them and you could see it in their lives. 
Yeah, they struggled at times, but they called upon God, and God was their strength and their redeemer. Yeah, they put their trust in Jesus, and because of that, they'll spend forever with him. Now, some of you are very young people, and you're thinking, wow, yeah, well, that's going to be a long time from now, (laughs) so I, I don't have to worry about that yet. Oh, oh, we don't know that, do we? You see, the truth of the matter is, your last day could be today. My last day could be today. As a matter of fact, according to the scriptures, all of us could have a last day today if Jesus should decide to come. If this were your last day, what would they say at your funeral? My prayer is that we'd be able to celebrate what God has done in your life, in your death. And for all eternity. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus. um, We don't often like to think about uh, the end. Seems like today has enough struggles of its own. And yet Lord Jesus. um, Those very struggles are a reason we should think about the last. The last day when when people sit around and talk about today. um, On that day. And Father, some of us have been carrying around a load of guilt for a long time. And we would shudder to think about what some people might say on that day. So we ask for your forgiveness and we pray, Father, that you would help us to restore those relationships. And to be what you've called us to be. We ask, Father, that you would remember us that we would remember that you've called us to be more than, than we could ever imagine or dream and help us to see beyond ourselves to what you have for us. We pray, Father, that you give us strength, that we would stand firm for you, that we would be ready to run when you call us, that, that we would be filled with your power and your strength, that your joy would overwhelm in us so that we could share your love with others. Lord, may we never tire out. May you be our strength. Lord Jesus, we pray that on that day, everyone here would be able to know that on that day when their old body is in the casket, that you would have them in a new body with you for all eternity. So Lord, we pray that today they would make that choice, that they would decide to follow you, put their trust in you, ask you to come and forgive them and live in them as you have done for me and many others here this morning. That we might celebrate the victory that you have brought even over death. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.